Well, and we call our we we say Mosal um, Munzade, which is you're born Muslim, so you're Muslim. I'm William. I'm Dave. Dave is my pastor. Willie is a hospice chaplain. And we've been friends for more than 20 years. We've had thousands of conversations about things that matter and things that don't. So now we're inviting you to join in. Each week we pull a topic out of the hopper and we talk about it. This is the Hopper Podcast. Let's let's just talk about growing up in Iran. Well, I grew up on a citrus orchard um, in northern Iran near the Caspian Sea. Mm-hmm. My grandfather's orchard, mostly tangerines, oranges, lemons, limes. Sounds great. And- <laughs> wow. Yeah, for sure. I know. Um, like that's the very green part of Iran, right? The verdant. Yes. Lush. And it, yeah. it rains, it's lush. Yeah. Um, you can see the mountain range. It's beautiful. Um, yeah. So most of my childhood memories are climbing tangerine trees and picking them before they were ready and having my grandpa chase us with like, you uh-huh. know, a, get out of my trees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, he had six girls. So wow. lots of grandkids running around oh, Saturday. Yeah, sure. Yes. They'd come over to our, uh, over the house and, um, you know, we'd play in the yard and that was my childhood chickens running around. Right. Um, yeah, I think because I have very few memories, the ones that I do have, I cherish. And yeah. so that those are the most brilliant ones, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always remember in my childhood that I was told I'm going to America to see my dad. Mm. There was this expectant, like, mm. you know, that was coming. We didn't know when, you know, and you're like, and I really didn't have memories of my dad because he left Iran when I was two. And so I always had this kind of picture of my mind of what I, what America was going to be like mm-hmm. and seeing my dad. So what was that picture in your mind of what America would be like? I have no idea. Yeah. Okay. Okay. No idea. All I knew is I was going to see my dad. Yeah. And America meant seeing dad. It meant seeing my dad. Yeah. 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 And um, there was lots of tragedies that happened you know, kind of turning points while I, while I was in waiting. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom's sister passed away. Um, two of my cousins passed away uh, due to the Iran-Iraq war. Mm. Mourning in Islamic countries are pretty traumatic. Yeah. And so I, I have images of like my grandma sitting on the ground just hitting herself you know like yeah and just lots of just trauma mm-hmm. you know and so um you know my 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 mom's sister's children came to live with us they you know we had an addition of like a sister and a brother and so um then the revolution happened mm-hmm. and i and the most vivid memory i have i had no idea what it was what the revolution was. Yeah. This is, this was, is 1979, right? Well, okay. So the revolution didn't happen overnight. Right. It took, sure. it took, you know, it, from the beginning until sort of when it affected culture and it affected families, it affected schools. It was a while. It was, a, mm-hmm. I would say, uh-huh. you know, about two to three years before it really took shape. Mm. Yeah. So in 79, but it, it, 
kind of worked its way through my childhood. Mm-hmm. But I, what I remember vividly was going to school one day without wearing hijab and then going to school one day wearing hijab. Mm-hmm. It was sort of like this novelty of putting something on your, like kind of wearing a hat or something. Okay, right? sure, sure. Not really understanding why. Of course. Yeah. At six six years old. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. You know, wearing this light blue, you know, it's called a maknae, actually. Okay. And um, and I remember my teachers being much, much happier before, mm. you know, smiling. Right. And then, then being angry and sort of having this kind of intense look on their faces. Mm. And vividly seeing the picture of Khomeini on the walls of mm. the school. Mm-hmm. And then most importantly, being in the schoolyard, originally we would go out and we would exercise. Every All the children would exercise in yeah. the schoolyard. And before exercise, we would say, Mark Bar America, Mark Bar Israel. But we were saying death to America and death to Israel. Mm-hmm. As, as part of the exercise. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I, of course, again, I had no idea what I was saying. I had okay. no idea what we were chanting, but it was like fun. You know, we were yeah, all sure. kind of. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> a little yeah. youth rally. Slow <laughs> little um, means of, of brainwashing the children yeah. began. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, that was my childhood. And then leaving Iran, not knowing yeah. Now, were you Islamic at this time? Okay, so my father's family is Baha'i. And my mother's family was Muslim, or is Muslim, I should Mm -hmm. say. So the Baha'is are religious minorities Mm -hmm. in Iran that are persecuted. And they were persecuted among the religious minorities first when the revolution started happening. Mm -hmm. And so my father's father was a congressman mm. and for, uh, for the province of Meshad, for the state of Meshad. And so they knew something was going on. They knew something was coming. And so they, his, the reason my dad I, was in America was because they had left mm. on before the persecution started. You know, it was mm. mostly the people who had money that were able to leave. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, they left, and my dad came to America to start a life for us, and my mom was kind of tying up loose ends. We really didn't know what was going to happen. And what happened was um, the American embassy was was taken over by some crazy university students, and there was a hot crisis. Mm -hmm. And um, then the Iran-Iraq war started, and so... We left Iran during that whole crazy time mm. and ended up going to Italy where we would okay. we would pick up our visa to come to the United States. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think I went to first grade for maybe three months, not even two uh-huh. months. Mm-hmm. And we were whisked off and we went to Italy. And I remember having my first banana. Hmm. because bananas were hard to come by in Iran at the time. And my uncle managed to find two bananas. And the night before we left, I got to taste my first banana. So there you go. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 
That's my memory of leaving Iran. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we ended up going to Rome, where we went to the American embassy, and we were denied our visa. Mm. We could not leave to come to the United States. And gosh, in those days, you know, there were no cell phones. There were no factories. Yeah. There was, you, know, you had to go to this big, huge, like, booth and wait for hours for a, someone to pick up on the other line. And um, my dad had no answers as to why. And um, we ended up getting stuck. Me and my mom and my sister got stuck in Italy. And we lived there for almost a year in a convent. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> That's, so, a difference. That's a big change. Well, yeah, because my my um, I guess spiritual experience, mm-hmm. the only thing I was exposed to was Islam. Mm-hmm. I didn't have any exposure to my father's religion yeah. because they had left. And what I what I remember was my grandfather always praying. And the kids always trying to distract him and um, jumping on his back or trying to make him laugh. But he was always so like determined, you know, and I don't know if you've ever seen Muslims pray, but Mm -hmm. particular, um, you know, prostration and standing and kneeling and putting your head to the, you know, to the ground and so facing Mecca. And so my spiritual experience was only what I had experience with my grandpa Mm -hmm. and so as a six-year-old i could i can say that i had big existential questions yeah yeah and so um my my um observation of what i saw in this convent for the first time was this man hanging on the wall with nails in his hands and feet Mm -hmm. wearing a, a crown of thorns and I, I was like, what is that? It was yeah. just this like, shocking mm-hmm. that pierced me in a way that a child shouldn't be pierced. Mm. I felt empathy for the first time. Mm. It's almost like the empathy that I felt when I saw my grandma sitting on the ground mm-hmm. in herself yeah. and feeling so sad for her. Like there's this, this sadness. Mm-hmm. That you can't, there's nothing you can do when. I mean, she lost her child. She lost her grandchildren. So it was almost like I wanted to take him down. I didn't like it. Mm. And so I would ask my mom and she'd say, it's nothing. He's just a holy man. Mm. And um, the nuns, of course, didn't evangelize us. And we didn't speak any Italian at the time. So we could ask questions. Mm. But again, it was mostly observation. And so the observation of people coming in and out of this place and doing the sign of the cross, touching this water, Mm -hmm. right? Holy water, right? Beginning at the beginning of the entrance of this little sanctuary and the way they prayed, they didn't, they kneeled, but they didn't prostrate. Mm -hmm. And then there was the man in the front who wore this very, you know, long robe and he seemed very serious. But, then people would go up to him and they, they he would give them something into their mouth and make them drink something from a cup. Mm-hmm. And my sister and I once, <laughs> we walked over to him with the rest of the people, another very vivid memory. And we stood there like maybe he'll give, 
you know, because we were curious, what sure, is this? Sure. And he, he kind of stood tall and he looked down at us and he was like, no. And he pointed, no, no, with his finger. And we were like, oh, so embarrassed. And we ran off. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, just living in the convent and the sound of the bells were just so soothing. There was a special um, peace that I felt yeah. in that place. And I don't know if that was the reason I asked those questions from whoever or whatever that was out there, but I always wanted to know, what are we? Mm. Yeah. What is this? What is this flesh? Yeah. Like I would lay in these, we had cots in this long kind of open room because back then there were no refugee camps, right? Mm. You know, there were no, like places where there were no refugees really. Um and so we just kind of lived in this open space area with cots. And I would lay there and I would like poke myself and I'd say, what is this life? What are we doing here? Mm. And yeah, that was that was kind of my childhood. Lots of mm -hmm. beautiful memories of martadella, pizza, um, cheeses hanging from delis and hams and delicious food kind people but mostly pizza <laughs> yeah 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 pizza and deep existential questions in a convent <laughs> there you go yeah. that's the name of your podcast pizza yeah. questions. Actually, I, I like that that's yeah. good yeah yeah, yeah. We, we we really missed the boat with the I hopper know. podcast oh well okay uh, <laughs> so then where do you go from there you've you've at some point end up in america i think yeah, so I ended up, we couldn't go to school, so um, I ended up watching lots of TV and cartoons. I became the translator for my mother. Mm -hmm. I would watch, again, I love the human experience, so I would watch people, the Italians, they talk with their mouth, right. and they're very, well, animated, and it's like, so I was like, whenever I would translate, I would pretend like I was like, right. Italian. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> kind of lonely. <laughs> I think it's, uh, um, and I and I learned that you know it has different meanings like the mm. way you go like this or right. like this it all has different meanings. Um, eventually, we were able to leave and come to the United States. And there was this. My mom bought these two beautiful matching dresses for us, and you know she was coming to America. I remember having my seventh birthday in Italy, mm. and then that winter for right right before Christmas we came to the United States. Mm. And um, I think I had all these ideas of what my dad was going to be like and mm -hmm. how he was just, you know, he had a house for us and we didn't have to walk anymore. And because in Italy, we walked everywhere. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. um, we got to the airport and I remember standing at the top of the escalator and seeing him at the bottom of the steps mm. or at the bottom of the escalator. And there he was that my dad. And I came down the escalator, and the closer I got, I thought, okay, I'm going to go hug him and love on him. And he was not the man that I expected. Huh. He smelled of cigarettes and alcohol, and he was restless, and he wasn't like, he didn't seem like he was excited to see us. Mm -hmm. He wasn't, I don't know. I don't know. It just didn't yeah. seem. The way I had expected. Yeah. It turned out that he had been living with another woman. 
and he was raising her two children and there was no house. There was no car. There was no life waiting for us. Um, and that night he told my mom, he didn't want to be with her anymore. Oh, oh it was so tragic. Yeah. So tragic. I mean, I don't think I ever saw my mom smile again after that ever. Mm-hmm. She feel joy, you know, yeah. she crushed her. Um, and so we ended up living with my grandma, his mom, and in this in this apartment until really my mom could get on her feet. He had unfortunately acquired a, a very, very terrible addiction to cocaine. And so he was, that was why he was restless. Yeah. And the smell of cigarettes still is like my trigger. I don't, mm. can't stand the smell of cigarettes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so my mom started working and she had $50 to her name and she started working. We lived in this apartment building and on the B2 level of the apartment building was a little market and a little beauty shop. So she started working at this beauty shop and, um, she worked seven days a week nonstop until she could finally get an apartment and, you know, get on her feet. And there was a woman called Miss Betty who would come every week to get her hair done and set. She was this sweet little woman from Texas with a prosthetic leg. Um, and I would make her take her prosthetic leg off so I could see her gimp. It was the craziest thing. Kids, <laughs> just me. <laughs> no, that's typical just of a, kids. I a think. morbid curiosity. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Right. What is this flesh? What are we doing here? <laughs> <laughs> take off your leg. <laughs> well, Miss Betty started taking us on Saturdays and Sundays because my mom needed to work and she would babysit us. And on Sunday, she took us to church. Mm. And I remember walking into this church and feeling the same feeling that I had in that other place, except it was a completely different observation because there was no man hanging on the wall. And Mm. I thought, where's the guy? Mm -hmm. Just the cross. Mm. And the singing was different. There was no bells. There was Mm -hmm. no sign cross people prayed differently there was no kneeling they 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 passed around that thing that they would eat Mm -hmm. so you know i i I still remember it so vividly because even though i didn't speak english i just knew i love this place it's Mm. so full of joy you know the Mm. singing Mm. great i love Mm. the singing (laughs) yeah and um i loved going to church with miss betty she was just a sweet sweet woman she loved our family. She yeah. just loved family. And that love transcended love the the language barrier, mm. transcended the culture, cultural barriers. She just loved us. Mm-hmm. She served us and whatever we needed, she did it with no questions asked. And eventually it was in Sunday school through picture stories that a woman would read. I don't remember her at all. I just remember the picture stories that I started to put the the story of that man together. Yeah. And it was such a different narrative than Islam. You see, in Islam, you don't see the face of God. Mm. 
who are not worthy to even stand before him mm. you're 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 almost like you know covering yourself in shame it's like i'm a man of unclean lips right you just you can't right. handle but um you don't have assurance of salvation mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. don't know if all the things you've done good will cover all the sin you've done yeah. all the bad thoughts you think or all the bad things you do and so if it you know in islam it always felt like a rat race like okay have you done enough good things to make mm-hmm. up for the where in this this narrative it was like you're never going to be good enough you were born to do bad things but god loved you so much that he was willing to die so that you could come into his presence and then i started to hear the word father and in islam we have many names for god but father is not one of them right and so i thought oh my gosh god is our father i'm like i want a father i don't have a father and so um i wanted i wanted god i wanted that man to be my father (laughs) and i came home and i told my mom i because i would watch these people wear this white robe and they would get in this tub and they would you know, mm-hmm. the, the baptism was was so beautiful. I wanted it. I wanted yeah. to do <laughs> Of course, I, I wanted to do that. <laughs> um, you seem like a, a person or at least a kid who wants to have all the adventures. I'm a, I don't know if I've ever grown up. Okay, okay. <laughs> I think I, I always tell the children that I meet that I'm really a, I'm really a child stuck in a grown-up's life. Gotcha, okay. Not really a grown-up quite yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, good. Don't grow up. Anyway, sorry, I interrupted your story, but you see no, these people okay. in white robes. I and, they're... and I said, I want to get baptized. Yeah. And she said, no, you are a child. You don't know what you're doing. Yeah. You cannot make decisions for yourself. When you become an adult, you can make the decision for yourself. Okay. Right now, you're a child. Uh-huh. She got really mad at Miss Betty, and she forbid Miss Betty to, to take us to church. Mm-hmm. But... You gentlemen haven't figured this out yet. I kind of. You do your own thing. (laughs) I do my own thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's um, what I'm hearing. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I decided that I wanted to give my life to that man. And so I did. And so my, my love affair with Jesus began that day. I think I was 11, maybe 12. And Miss Betty kind of disappeared out of my life hmm. which is so sad yeah i didn't see her anymore and i i searched for her years years ago and i found out she had passed yeah so i can't wait to see her in eternity hmm. yeah for sure hmm. for sure so here so is the it is is that my sister and my mother also became believers <gasps> Because of the love of Miss Betty and because mm. of the love of this church. Yes. Just never gave up on us and consistently loved on our family and mm. just loved us. So, yeah. 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 So here you are in America, you're middle school age. You, uh, you were previously somewhat Islamic, yeah, at least in, yeah. in tradition, right? And family well, heritage. In- 
we call our we we say um which is you're born muslim so you're muslim yeah, yeah sure so and and you become a christian and uh tell us there must be like a whole story after that of of adapting to america and um you know i'm sure there's people that you still know in country um and have you had contact with them has it been tense has it been you know tell us more about keep going with your story it's very interesting well um i don't know if i really understood what it meant to believe in jesus as yeah. my lord and savior i mean that's okay i'm not sure i understand either I, <laughs> we're still, all of us, I think, are still, still learning and growing. And... I don't know. I feel like God sort of, in hindsight, when I look back, I think he He found, he found yeah, me. Yeah. And he knew I wasn't intellectually ready for what a r- real relationship with him was to be like mm-hmm. until I was a little bit more mature. Okay. But because I didn't have my dad in my life, I was always very insecure mm. and very, very shy. Um, I didn't feel pretty. I didn't feel good enough, right? But, and I didn't really, couldn't really, you know, I, I mean, I had to learn to read English. I had to learn to speak English. I had to learn culture. And you're a teenager and, you know, you want boys to like you and, you want friends and you want, you know, it, so that journey of like those years were really tough yeah. and I didn't stand and I didn't have Miss Betty in my life to, mm-hmm. to kind of walk alongside of me. And certainly my mom, because she was busy working and yeah. trying to make ends meet. And learning herself, right? Learning herself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, you, I went through the motions of life as you do, as, as any child does, right? Mm-hmm. getting kicked on, getting bullied because I didn't speak English, believe it or not. I had an accent. I mean, I can kick it in if I need to. Yeah. <laughs> I watched movies. I was fascinated with with movies, with sure. TV shows. Yeah. We were watching The Brady Bunch. That was one of my favorite TV shows. Uh-huh. I want that family. Like, everybody was right. just so yeah. fun and loving. Yeah. And the, yeah. these moments of, like, you know, like, lessons and... Uh-huh. Yeah. So I really just, I learned about America and I fell in love with American culture and, you know, movies and shows and just music. Yeah. Just. Can you still speak Farsi? Is that your oh, native yeah. tongue? Yeah. 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 I can speak Farsi fluently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You want to speak some uh, for us? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Say it's a, it's a wonderful night and we're having a lovely conversation and. The hopper is amazing. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. I, I don't know what hopper is. Yeah, the, so, uh, our podcast is called the Hopper Podcast. Yeah, this is yeah. the Hopper Podcast. Uh, so that we're. Yeah, I'm just making a joke. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> it's a, yeah. He's. امشب یک شب بسیار قشنگی هست و از صحبتایی که داریم میکنیم خیلی لذت میبرم. و مثل اینکه یک هاپری اینجا در جریان هست. Yeah. So you can speak with an accent. You you can uh, speak 
Iranian American. I can speak English sometimes with funny accent. Yes. <laughs> very good. Very good. Yeah. It's my it's my comedy bit when I make right. fun of my because my mom still has an accent. Sure. She still sounds like yeah. that. Okay. Sure. Yeah, the kids in middle school would call my house. You know, when we still had like phones on the yeah, walls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they would call and they would just call because they wanted to hear my mom speaking mm. because they thought she, her accent was so cute. Yeah. yeah. I really admire my mother because, you know, she really taught me the American dream and she worked so hard and she tried really, really hard to keep us from getting into trouble. My sister and I, my sister was a little bit of a rebel. Um, you know, she got caught up here and there, but I was always I had to go with her to tag along, to tattle on her. Mm. And so, you know, it was hard growing up. Because my mom was always busy working and we really raised ourselves. But right. one thing that I admire my mom is that she never allowed us to lose our culture, to lose our language, yeah. to lose our identity, even though she, she's an American. My mother will tell you, I'm American. I love this country. Yeah. She moved us to a very small town because she wanted to raise her girls without the, you know, the the things that the city has yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah a lot of cities in america have a, a decent iranian community and she wanted well, to raise uh, you yeah. away yeah. from the away from that to become thoroughly american is that right yes yeah in fact a lot of iranians when they left iran they came with money mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. there's a lot of um you know i would say pretentious kind of facade. Ah, gotcha gotcha so, and my mom didn't have those things, and yeah. she didn't want to feel like, well, why don't we have those things? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But she had really, we had humble beginnings. I mean, I remember we would drive around in these like big, you know, neighborhoods, and we're like, wow, who lives here? Yeah. And one day, here I am living in this big house yeah. because because my mom really because yeah. my mom was so hard, and she was, I remember her telling me. You got to go to school. You've got to study because an education is your power. Mm -hmm. No one can take that power from you. Once you have it, it's yours. Mm -hmm. And really, I was so far removed from what had happened in Iran. What did I leave behind? I had no idea. Mm -hmm. We didn't have Facebook or social media. Um, and little did I know that Iran had become this police state, totalitarian state, mm -hmm. where there was no freedom of choice to choose a religion. Yeah freedom of speech there's no freedom of press there's no freedom to assemble and yet here i was learning all these amazing values yeah and being educated and having opportunity and it wasn't until i would say um i i, I think my freshman or sophomore year of college uh -huh. I, that i started becoming kind of interested in my roots and you know, what is Iran? What, what, you know, what is it? Yeah. What have, so sometime have... before that you had already felt like you had come into your own as an American and there was there a place where the, like the bullying stopped and you, you belonged. Did that happen prior to that time? Yeah. I mean, it took time. Yeah. Obviously those teenage, those critical right. teenage years past that. Um, we got into a church. Uh, I'd say that young life probably saved my life, mm. you know, living mm -hmm. in a small town where kids would go and hang out and, food line parking lots and drink beer right you know uh i was at young life groups and meetings having fun yeah. um 
So that really helped keep me out of trouble. Um, I went back to Iran when I was 16 uh, for five weeks for the first time with my mom and sister. And it was like culture shock because, you know, you don't look at people in their eyes, especially men. Hmm. Don't say certain things. You don't, you, you walk into a store in a different door. You don't sit in the front seat of the cab. You have separate buses. You, I mean, it was a complete culture shock. And mm. I think that's what really kind of caused me to have more interest because I got to see my family. And and I thought it was so weird that women had to cover. Yeah. You know, um, there was a little bit of the modesty that I respected and appreciated, which sure. I still do because... Here I was, American culture was becoming a little bit more and more sexualized. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I remember <laughs> I remember coming back to school, it was in like the middle of my 10th grade year, and kids would ask me, like, what was it like? And I and I remember the very vividly talking about how I really respected and appreciated the modesty of the culture. Mm-hmm. That women weren't objects of sexuality. You don't see posters of naked women plastered at bus station. Mm-hmm billboards and you know and that's really the middle east when you i don't know if you gentlemen have ever traveled there but you just don't see that right yeah women aren't objects of sexuality right and and i really respect that i really i kind of wish we could go back to that modesty in this country sure but yeah yeah we don't digress (laughs) (laughs) yeah um yeah, so when I came back, I think there was a lot of nostalgia and just feeling kind of this far away like sense of, oh, I wish I could be with my family and my cousins and yeah. we didn't have anyone here. And I was I became increasingly more interested in Iran, the history, the culture. And um I think it was really it was my my freshman year of college that I wrote my college paper mm. um on Iran and just started really really finding the 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 kind of the political landscape really interesting Uh and then um when i graduated from college my first job you know middle eastern families they expect their children to be doctor lawyer right right or engineer um i told my mom i wanted to go to hollywood and become an actor director (laughs) she's like yeah no (laughs) (laughs) He yeah. said, I came to America for my children to be educated. I didn't come to America for you to sell yourself to Hollywood. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of, I put that little dream on on a little shelf and left it there. Mm. And, went and studied pre-med thinking I was going to go to medical school. Sure. But I was terrible in math. Still am. Hate numbers. <laughs> um, so I... I ended up getting my first job, my first real job uh, was working as a scientist at the FBI. And um, I remember coming back from lunch one day and one of my colleagues was like, so what do you think about Ahmadinejad and all the things he's saying about Israel? Hmm. Like, what's he saying? I was so embarrassed that I didn't know. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I knew Ahmadinejad. I of just course. didn't know. And so then I thought, um, okay, I need to, I need to know what he's saying. And he was saying that, you know, that we that Iran was going to wipe Israel off the map. 
And when I, when I learned that, I thought, man, that's crazy. Why would anyone say that? That's like, that's like volatile. And so I started to kind of do research and find out what was going on inside the country. And I had this crazy idea that I would go back to Iran with my handy dandy little, you know, Sony camera. And I would do a, like a little documentary about what's happening inside the country. Yeah. Of course, my boss at the FBI poo-pooed on that. He was like, I'm sorry, do you know who you are and what you do? Like, what are you thinking? Yeah. Um, I quit my job at the FBI. My mom almost killed me. Yeah, I'll bet. Because yeah. I, I wanted to... I wanted to figure out what was going on inside Iran. And so um, I got hooked up with some friends and some, you know, people who were kind of in the know. They connected me to some people who were doing stuff in D.C. And so I just started showing up. I started showing up to meetings and conferences. Anywhere they were talking about Iran, I just would show up. Mm. And, I mean, I, I lived, breathed, slept, and ate Iran for the next, mm. like, 12 years wow but i didn't go to iran uh-huh. <laughs> okay yeah Boss, who became my mentor and friend obviously after what after that he was like if you don't want to be in someone's trunk or yeah you know hung i would suggest you not do that we enjoy talking with erica about her life story but wait until you hear next week where we discuss the current events and all the protests going on in iran Erica gives her feedback on the U.S. policy, her feelings about Obama and Trump, and how we can support the Iranian people against this terrible regime. It's so good. you got to tune into this. She's amazing. We'll do that next week. Hey, we've got bonus episodes for you. You asked for them, we got them. Yep, more Hopper goodness. Bonus episodes that are only for our Patreon subscribers. We're a little bit freer to tell stories that we don't really want out there in the public. It's like... I don't know, the Hopper Podcast after dark. Oh, yeah, like the time we went to see the Rock Hard Willie Band. You've said too much already. <laughs> okay, it's easy. Just touch or swipe the cover art on the Hopper Podcast on your podcasting app, and you'll find show notes. Follow the link there and sign up to give us a little bit of money each month, $5, $10, $20. At any level, you'll get immediate access to all our bonus episodes. We'll send you a special link to a new private podcast feed, and you'll get all the bonus episodes on your phone automatically. We love our Patreon supporters, and we treat them right. You know who you are. Thank you so much. You can become a Hopper Podcast Insider today. Dave, the FDA has issued a, a warning just recently. Um that I wanted you to know about to make to keep you and your family safe. Okay. Um, I have uh, talked to my family about this, and that is uh, they're warning uh, that we should no longer be preparing our chicken by boiling it in NyQuil. Right. Right. Yeah. I, that was a big dang it. <laughs> yeah. You should no longer boil your chicken, chicken. in NyQuil hmm. for dinner. Okay. Uh, this apparently was a uh, trend on TikTok. A trend. Uh, so, like, like eating Tide Pods. Like eating Tide Pods. Okay. I don't know, but I guess this is probably not quite as dangerous as eating Tide Pods. Uh huh. But apparently, people were bo- like getting a pot full of Nyquil uh-huh. and boiling it, and then putting raw chicken in there to boil. And then that's how they were preparing their chicken and to see what it would be like. This is just, <laughs> I'm, 
this is baffling to me. Yeah. What, what Who thinks of this stuff? What is wrong with people? Okay, first of all... Young me, kids these I, days. I tell you. <laughs> you know, okay, first of all, what's the boiling point of NyQuil? Yeah, that's a good question. Because uh, that could have some health concerns. Yeah, if it's not high enough, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Of course, NyQuil is probably loaded with sugar. The alcohol would probably disappear fast. And then, you know, what's... What is it, basically a corn syrup base or something? Well, it is... Um, Let's see. NyQuil contains acetaminophen, uh-huh. uh, dextromethorphan, I don't know what that is, and doxylamin. I don't know what that is either. Okay. But what happens is, what like the the base, like you're talking, uh, yeah. it, it boils out. So all of that becomes super concentrated. You're not, it's cold medicine. You're not supposed to have... You're not supposed to medicine. drink like the entire yeah. bottle of NyQuil all at once, which is basically what this is doing because you're boiling out all of the, you know, the, the filler or whatever right. in there. Right. Yeah. And so that's part of the problem. Okay. So I remember a trend back when we were in high school called robodosing, where people would get Robitussin cough yeah. syrup and yeah. drink too much of it yeah. because it had alcohol in it. Yeah. Um, I never did that, of course. Uh, that. Of course, sounds horrible. Were, yeah, but um, I did. You know, cough syrup doesn't seem to do a whole lot for yeah. me. I just don't seem to see the point in it. Uh huh. But um, occasionally, when you just have a dry hacking cough, I've turned to some cough syrup. But sure. I, I've got to take it more than they recommend. That's because you're a humongous person. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it just doesn't like if you want to if you want to suppress your cough and you want to have the expectorant working, I usually take double the dose. Yeah, sure. Uh, that bit me in the butt one time. Okay. Uh, I got some cough syrup with codeine, and uh, I got it working, you know, by taking a little bit more of it. And then I felt really bad, mm. and I ended up throwing up. Mm. And I think that's just, you know, from the drugs. Yeah. I didn't get high or something. I wasn't robodosed, so to speak. But, right, right. So I wonder if that's part of this. is just kind of a, a, a recreational drug trend. Um, but, you know, acetaminophen is really bad for your liver. It is, yeah. And it's more dangerous than ibuprofen. You know, acetaminophen oh, yeah. is Tylenol, by yep. the way, people. If you that's take right, a lot tylenol. of Tylenol, you can you can end up in the hospital with a liver that's shutting down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You drink a, you drink a, a bunch of alcohol and take Tylenol. You got to yeah. be careful. The and and the overdose point of acetaminophen happens really really fast. Yeah. Where because uh, they've done experiments, controlled experiments, whatever on people, and so I know that with Tylenol, it's super super safe if you take you know two and then. They take if three you follow and then four the recommended and then five amount. And then, yeah. and as they increase it, yeah. and then all of a sudden, boom, there's like You're one pill, the and then like you need to be in the hospital yeah. and you need some intensive care. Where with ibuprofen, uh, it is uh, overdosing is bad for you, but yeah. each one is is slightly worse, slightly worse, right, slightly right. worse, slightly worse, slightly worse, slightly worse. It's really hard to overdose on on ibuprofen. You can you can hurt your liver with that too. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I think absolutely. the maximum dose is 800 milligrams. Yeah. Every six hours, mm-hmm. I think that's the maximum. So we got to be careful. Yeah. Another thing with the with the uh, boiling Nyquil, um, and you know, I really want you to tell your wife not to, st- to stop doing this because. Yeah. yeah. Um, when it is boiling, if you are nearby uh-huh. and the and inhale the vapors, right? What are you inhaling? You don't know what you're inhaling, but right. that that is uh, getting all that that medicine into you in a way that's not meant to be. It's not. It, it yeah. is way more concentrated and very very fast acting. It's not going through the stomach lining, you right. know. And so, uh, y- yeah, you don't know what's going on. 
You know, I was surprised one time I looked, uh, you know, we're biology guys. I, I looked up the top 10 leading causes of death. Okay. And uh, you, as you might expect, heart disease is number one yeah, and cancer sure. is number two. I work in death, so yeah. I, know, I know what you're talking uh, about. And stroke is three, sometimes four, mm -hmm. depending on the years and stuff. But uh, you know what I was sh shocked by is COPD. Yeah, huge. Um, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. Yep is uh, right up there around four, five. It's huge. It it's is a, yeah, a significant killer. And that's not just smoking cigarettes. No. It's from Although that's a part of it. Right. It's from pneumonia and yes. scar tissue. It's from inhaling all kinds of other things you shouldn't inhale. Um, firefighters uh, yep. get lung cancer and COPD. And mm. yeah, all that stuff burning. And you gotta be careful what you're breathing. And some of it is genetic where people's lungs just are weak. And mm -hmm. as they get older, they just degenerate. Yeah. That's yeah. a, and that's a, that's a, that's a rough one. But, yeah, a lot of my patients have COPD. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, like I said, I was baffled when I was like, oh, my gosh, I didn't, what is this? I didn't even heard of this. And yeah. did a little research, and that was years ago. But Heart disease, lung disease, cancer, mm -hmm. those are the big ones. Yep. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, so okay. some kids uh, were boiling chicken and NyQuil, and then they ate the chicken? Yes, and drank the NyQuil. And then drank the NyQuil. And or then, like, it was a, like it was a sauce, Did basically. they end up in the hospital? What happened? I don't know. That's a good question. It was a sauce. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was like a you, special you, you chicken You boil it juice. down to, yeah. to, the, to the, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. I, and there was, apparently there were some people who were saying that it's like a chicken soup, and so if you're sick, this is a better way to... Oh, my goodness. People you know, are nuts, man. Something, something's not right there. Thanks for listening to the Hopper Podcast. You made it to the end of this week's episode. Congratulations. You win a pair of Hello Kitty sunglasses. To claim your prize, write us at thehopperpodcast at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 214-267-9287. And join us next time when we'll discuss if Joe Biden has had a facelift. Uh, he needs one. Have you seen him lately? Not in person. He's got a special glow. I think he's had a facelift. Me, me have. Okay, be sure to like, subscribe, follow, and join our Facebook group for more Hopper goodness. The Hopper Podcast is sponsored this week by Turlington's Shoeshine Kits. Turlington's, only the best. Turlington's. Mm -hmm. I don't get it. Do you do you use any other shoeshine kits? I don't shoeshine. Do you still shine shoes? Only with Turlington's. <laughs> okay. Willie, I'm Dave. Hi, Willie. It's nice Hi, to meet Dennis. you, Erica. Uh, nice and let me see if I can say it. It's a uh, sorry. No. Is the R like a French R? It's sorry. 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 Yeah, you, you, can, you can hear a very clear it. difference. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Or you could just, or you could just go with Erica. We're going to stick with Erica. We're going to stick with Erica. We, yeah, <laughs> I'm so sorry. We want to honor... <laughs> Yes. Your name. 